and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, saying, Come and see. Thunder Radio with Christian J. Pento. Okay, praise the Lord, you guys, and welcome. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Today on the show, we're going to talk about Tucker Carlson and the JFK assassination. Can you believe this? Here, Tucker Carlson, a short time ago, has done a story about JFK's assassination. And here's just a headline from uh, from this video on YouTube where it says, Fox News host Tucker Carlson gives his take on a source saying the CIA was involved in JFK's assassination. Now, that's... I mean, for anybody who studied the JFK assassination and all of the controversy surrounding it, for those of us who remember Oliver Stone's very well-known film on JFK, very well done. Uh, Actually, a brilliant film for its time, the way it was put together. And while, you know, all of the information is not necessarily completely accurate, I mean, who knows? Uh, they're piecing theories and ideas together. But one thing is certain that the official narrative from the Warren Commission and the report that they published is completely absurd. The idea that Lee Harvey Oswald was this lone gunman and that uh, he carried out the assassination and shot from these multiple angles. The whole thing just didn't make sense, of course. Then you have the magic bullet theory. That is completely absurd. But what's remarkable is in history, it is often those kind of absurd declarations that will be believed by the masses because the greater body of the population, when they hear things like that, they say, well, it's just such an incredible fluke. It must be true. That's kind of the way people respond. And not everybody responds that way. Obviously, there are others of us who would say, no, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. And so you have people who ask questions and then they're called conspiracy theorists. Well, now, after decades of people being denounced as conspiracy theorists over the JFK assassination, now you have Tucker Carlson on Fox News Uh, openly declaring that, yes, the CIA was involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Now, what's even more remarkable, you go to the Gateway Pundit, even more remarkable than that, the Gateway Pundit now, in conjunction with this, because of what Tucker Carlson here has just done, They published an article quoting Robert Kennedy Jr., RFK Jr. And they quote RFK Jr. What did RFK Jr. say? He said of of, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson's newscast, he said, quote, the most courageous newscast in 60 years, 
the CIA's murder of my uncle was a successful coup d'etat from which our democracy has never recovered. Robert Kennedy Jr. earlier this year did an interview with Megyn Kelly. Megyn Kelly, where he basically revealed that, yes, he believed the CIA was behind both the assassination of John F. Kennedy and the assassination of his father, Robert Kennedy. But here I want to play a short clip. This is Megyn Kelly uh, talking about Arlen Specter. At first, when she's interviewing RFK Jr., let's listen to part of what they said. Here it is. Oliver Stone, right, to the Warren Commission. Um, they concluded it was Arlen Specter, Senator Arlen Specter, uh, now, God rest his soul. Uh, he, uh, he used to, I knew him kind of on Capitol Hill, and he used to say, it's not the single bullet theory, it's the single bullet conclusion. That's what happened. Single bullet it was uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and only Lee Harvey Oswald. Where do you land on it? Well, that was the Warren Commission. The Warren Commission, of course. And he the, was on the, it. The, the key commissioner was Alan Dulles. And Alan Dulles, of course, was the head of the CIA, who my uncle had fired after the Bay of Pigs. Um, and he, we now know that he was deliberately, and this is not controversial, this is well established, he was deliberately steering the committee away from many facts that would have been, that would have implicated the CIA, including the fact that Lee Harvey Oswald was a CIA asset beginning in 1958, when he worked as a radar operator at the Atasui Air Force Base in Japan, um, which was the CIA base that was where the he was a Marine, where the um, where the U two flights were based out of that were over the Soviet Union. He defected to the Soviet Union. It was a fake defection. It was a it was a dangle. Um, they, it was orchestrated by James Jesus Angleton and Langley. All right, so very quickly, I want to interject something here. Um, in the midst of this dialogue, he's mentioning Alan Dulles, former head of the CIA. Dulles, who, while he was raised as a Presbyterian, interestingly, uh, apparently became a Catholic or at least became a member of the Knights of Malta. The Knights of Malta, which are dedicated to the service of the Pope. Uh, James Jesus Angleton, who was also the, working with Lee Harvey Oswald here and uh, setting him up to do uh, a, I guess, a fake defection to the Soviet Union where he goes there. And he's like a former U.S. Marine who, who becomes a communist and goes to the Soviets and supposedly cooperates with them. But it, uh, from what we're hearing from RFK, it was a fake defection. The whole thing was a setup. You may remember this from the movie JFK. If you watch it, that's one of the things that the Kevin Costner character points out, that Oswald goes to Russia. He defects. He becomes a communist, all this other kind of stuff. Then he comes back to the United States, and nobody says a word to him. He's not questioned by the FBI or any sort of government authorities, uh, they just kind of let him get away with it. 
And the impression given in the film, from what I remember, even though it's been many years since I saw it, but the impression is that uh, somebody wanted him to go to the Soviet Union and do all of this and then come back, which seems to be supported by what we're hearing from RFK Jr. But remember, the two guys chiefly responsible in all of this, Alan Dulles and, and James Jesus Angleton, these guys were both Knights of Malta, Knights of Malta. And remember, the CIA goes back to the OSS that was founded by another Knight of Malta, Wild Bill Donovan, during World War II. And it's the OSS that smuggled the Nazi war criminals out of Germany. So you have this whole connection with the Knights of Malta, the OSS, the CIA, the Vatican, uh, and what is today the deep state. And it really goes back, a lot of this, back to the Second World War. And it's toward the end of the Second World War, coming out of the Second World War, that is really where our country took a very dark turn. All right, now I want to play another clip. This is from RFK, again, being interviewed by Megyn Kelly, and he talks about the committee, talks about the Warren Commission. That was the first committee, but then there was another committee that shows up some five years after the Warren Commission, and listen to what he says about this second committee that investigated the assassination. Here it is. And you talk about the Warren Commission findings, but the United States Congress assassination committees and the, and the Senate did a new investigation five years after the Warren Commission, and they came to the opposite conclusion that it was indeed a conspiracy. They didn't know whether the conspirators who actually murdered my uncle were mafia or with the CIA, there was a split within the committee. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the Warren Commission is was working on very little knowledge that was heavily orchestrated and the subsequent investigations. And now we have millions of documents that, you know, uh, that suggest a strong involvement by the agency. Wow. I mean, how does that, sorry to go Oprah on you, but how does that make you feel? That you got, you know, you believe the CIA was responsible for the assassination of two men who were so dear to you. Um, when you ask me, how does it make you feel? How does it make me feel? Um, it's hard for me to separate my feelings from the, you know, from the kind of, um, from the larger issue about what the implications are for our country and for our democracy. Yeah. That these are murders that, you know, whether I'm right or wrong about them, we should be able to talk about them. We should be able to reason. We shouldn't be, again, shut down and censored. The people ought to be able to have a congenial conversation about these. And if the original verdicts do not make any sense, then let's have an investigation in what happened because our country took a turn when my uncle was killed. You know, when I was a boy, when I was on my sixth birthday, seventh birthday, Dwight Eisenhower, January 17, 1961, made what I would consider the most important speech in American history, where he warned our country against the rise of the military-industrial um, complex and the subversion of democracy through this ascendancy of, of this corrupt uh, um, cartel 
of intelligence agencies, the military agencies, military contractors, and other people who were attached to the military-industrial complex. Okay, so uh, then they play the the clip from the very famous speech given by President Eisenhower, where he's warning about the military-industrial complex and you know all the money spent on war. Eisenhower's warning has continued to be true. In fact, right now, when people are watching what's going on in the Ukraine and all these billions of dollars that are being sent to the uh, to the Ukrainian government to finance what is what many people are warning could end up being World War Three. But the but uh, yeah, I mean, if you think about it for these companies that are making bomber planes that are making tanks and guns and bombs and missiles and all of these weapons of war. If there's no war going on, you don't really need all those weapons. So you got to have a war. You got to, there's got to be supply and demand. It's just like the, the vaccines. If there's no pandemic, you don't need a vaccine. Why would people invest billions of dollars in these vaccines if nobody needs them? So you got to create a need and then you've got to get government contracts because that's how Bill Gates and these other guys are making all their money off the vaccines because uh, they're getting government contracts where the government's making it mandatory for people to get vaccinated. That's what forces people to take these vaccines and that's how they make their money. And so you have the same principle going on with war. You've, you've got to have a war, you've got to go to war, got to, got to send bombs, tanks, bullets, supplies, etc. And all of this feeds the military-industrial complex. That's what Eisenhower was warning about. And it comes back to the principle. It's very odd that it all comes back to one of the principles of our founders who warned against having a standing army. They said a stand, the standing army is the bane of liberty. And one of the reasons for that would have been because of all the money you have to spend to have that standing army there. But then the question is, what are they going to do? If they're not going to war, what are they going to do? Are they going to be oppressing the people? And of course, you've got to have uh, more and more money to finance this standing army. And in modern warfare, my, you know, you can't just cut down a few trees and make a few arrows, that kind of thing. You got to spend a lot of money on the gunpowder, on the, the technology, the tanks, the bombs, submarines, all the rest of it. I mean, it's a massive, massive endeavor that the military industrial complex oversees, but it takes billions and trillions of dollars to sustain it, to sustain a modern military force. And that's what Eisenhower was warning about. And uh, it appears that that is what is endangering our country even today. Well, there's a lot more that we could say about this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to listen to the Tucker Carlson report. Uh, the original story that kind of began our investigation into why why do we have Fox News and Tucker Carlson talking about the JFK assassination today? 
And uh, this, this, of course, was the report that inspired RFK Jr. to say, quote, the CIA's murder of my uncle was a successful coup d'etat from which our democracy has never recovered. We're going to talk about that and also the connections with the CIA and the Nazis after the war when we come back right after this. Adullam Films presents a stunning new documentary, The True Christian History of America, exploring the Bible-based Christian origins of the early American view of freedom, tracing the principles of liberty back to England and the Great Reformation. For many years, our schools have taught that the founding of our Republic was from the Deists or the Enlightenment in France. But is that truly the case? Did the Enlightenment first declare no taxation without representation or trial by jury? Were they the champions of freedom of speech or of the press or the right to bear arms? And why did Samuel Adams declare that the reign of political Protestantism would commence just before signing the Declaration of Independence? Filmed on location in both the United States and Europe, the True Christian History of America is now available at adullamfilms.com. That's adullamfilms.com. Now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Adullam Films presents an exciting new documentary, Bridge to Babylon, part three in an award-winning series on the untold history of the Bible. Dr. Jack Moorman calls it a masterful presentation of what is the single most important issue facing Christians today, the defense of the Bible as the Word of God. Why was the Bible changed in 1881? Why have so many churches abandoned biblical inerrancy? And what direction are scholars taking the scriptures today? Learn the truth in Bridge to Babylon, the sequel to A Lamp in the Dark and Tares Among the Wheat. Bridge to Babylon is now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Noise of Thunder Radio. Okay, we are back. Praise the Lord, you guys. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Thanks for staying with the show today. Before we continue with our information on this uh, Tucker Carlson report about the John F. Kennedy assassination and the information that's now being published openly, I did want to take a moment to thank everybody who took the time to reach out and send well wishes uh, for myself and my family. Uh, Many of you are aware because we, we communicated through our Facebook page that Uh, My father, who was 85 years old, passed away here recently, and his passing was very sudden. We, I literally learned that he was ill when I woke up one morning on a Tuesday and was told by one of my sisters who lives near my dad, who's in northern Alabama, or he was, 
and we're based just outside of Nashville. And I woke up and was told that he was in the hospital. And I thought, okay, well, uh, let, let's see what happens here. He was, he was always in uh, good health. He was 85 years old, but he was a, an 85-year-old man in, in good health. You know, certain issues here and there, but nothing major. And then within a short period of time, I was told he had less than eight hours to live. And so I jumped in my car, drove down to where he was about two, little over two hours away and had a chance to see him with my sisters in the hospital before he passed. Um, I had had the opportunity to baptize my dad a number of years ago when he was going through his, his own struggles and, and coming to coming, really coming out of a childhood of Roman Catholicism and learning the principles of the Bible. He spent about five years with us as part of a Bible study group where we week to week went word for word through the scripture. And at some point in the midst of all that, he decided he wanted to get baptized. And so uh, we did that as a family and I had the opportunity to baptize him. That was a blessed day. And so we have hope where he's concerned uh, but still, it was all very sudden. I was able to pray with him, though, but he, we think he had some kind of a stroke and, and then became, he, he could say a few words here and there, but he was, he was just suddenly stricken with a condition, and then he declined and passed away a few days later. And then we had his funeral. Um, all, all of this is part of the reason why I have not uh, published a show before now. And, uh, but anyway, I, I did want to say thank you very much to all those who, who reached out and who took the time to leave comments. Uh, it means a lot to me and my family. And, uh, it, it, as, as a Christian, as a God fearing Bible believing Christian man, myself, Whenever things like this happen, it's always a reminder to me, and I take the time to, to talk to my kids about it, that this life is uncertain. We don't know how long we've got upon the earth. And right now, especially with everything that's gone on with this COVID controversy that's, that's still ongoing, we're watching people from all ages, all age groups, are just suddenly dying. Sometimes very quickly. Sometimes, I mean, there's reports of very young people having heart attacks and dropping over. And I remember when I first came to salvation years ago when I was living in New York, it was the sudden death of an old high school friend that really woke me up. And then I just kept hearing all these stories. It, it was like the Lord was bringing these stories to my attention. People just of, of different ages now, young people and people who are a little bit older, just dying very suddenly. And so uh, we've got to remember the fear of God and remember the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we trust in the Lord because we are promised the forgiveness of sins and life eternal by faith in him. 
All right, so let's turn our attention again now to uh, the our our story today about the John F. Kennedy assassination and the whole history of this whole thing that we're we're now watching unfold. I mean, we we played some clips from the Megan Kelly interview with RFK Jr. and the the comments from Robert Kennedy who is more and more now he's he's really become a champion standing up for people on this whole vaccine issue not just the covid vaccine but the vaccine industry itself and all of the children and people who are being harmed by this massive wave of vaccines that they created through the 80s and 90s and into the 2000s and so on that now is uh, said to be responsible for this massive rise in the rates of autism and all sorts of afflictions among children and people throughout our country and in different parts of the world. And of course, there are those who speculate that this is part of some greater depopulation agenda. We could talk about the Georgia Guidestones, the ambition to depopulate the world, etc. But without getting into all of that, RFK Jr., of course, published his book on Dr. Fauci, calling Fauci America's Dr. Mengele. So he's he's really, uh, you know, broken away from any kind of mainstream, politically correct worldview and has been speaking out on a number of issues. And I was surprised to see this quote from him. But it makes all the sense in the world that he would say what he's now saying. And that is his belief that, yes, the CIA was behind the assassination of JFK. Now, I want to play again, as I've said, I want to play some of this report from Tucker Carlson. And I want you to hear what he has to say and his wording on this. And he's talking about uh, a source that actually a high-ranking source, apparently. And the question I'm asking is, why are they revealing this information now? Because you're talking Fox News. You're talking Megyn Kelly. You're, these people are part of mainstream media. Why would the establishment allow this conversation to be happening now? What's going on? I honestly don't know yet. But let's listen. Here it is. In 1976, long forgotten, the House of Representatives impaneled a special committee to reinvestigate the JFK assassination. Their bipartisan conclusion? Jack Kennedy was almost certainly murdered as the result of a conspiracy. But the question is, a conspiracy by whom? Well, the obvious suspect would be the CIA. Why else would the agency withhold critical evidence for investigators? Is there a benign explanation for that, for maintaining this level of secrecy for this many years? Not that we're aware of. And it is illegal. In 1992, Congress passed the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act. That act mandated full disclosure of all documents by 2017, 54 years after JFK was killed. The last administration promised to comply fully with that law but under intense pressure from CIA Director Mike Pompeo, withheld in the end thousands of pages of CIA documents. Today, this afternoon, the Biden administration did exactly the same thing. That would be thousands of pages of documents 
after nearly 60 years, after the death of every single person involved, but we still can't see them. Clearly, it's not to protect any person. They're all dead. It's to protect an institution. But why? Well, today we decided to find out. We spoke to someone who had access to these still hidden CIA documents. The person was deeply familiar with what they contained. We asked this person directly, did the CIA have a hand in the murder of John F. Kennedy, an American president? And here's the reply we received verbatim. Quote, the answer is yes. I believe they were involved. It's a whole different country from what we thought it was. It's all fake. It's hard to imagine a more jarring response than that. Again, this is not a, quote, conspiracy theorist that we spoke to. Not even close. This is someone with direct knowledge of the information that once again is being withheld from the American public. And the answer we received was unequivocal. Yes, the CIA was involved in the assassination of the president. Okay, wow, powerful information coming from Tucker Carlson. Now, there's got to be a reason why Fox News and the Murdoch family is allowing this to be reported by him. There's got to be a reason why. Because before now, in the mainstream, this, this was absolutely forbidden. The, the only stories you saw from anyone. I remember when Greta Van Susteren was still on Fox and she had a guy that was trying to prove that, yes, it was possible for Lee Harvey Oswald to do the shooting. And, and then and there was another story, I'm trying to remember who it was, but from one of Oswald's family members trying to argue that, of course, he was the guy behind it, etc. And they, they, they just kept trying to sell the official narrative, which most people who study what happened with JFK simply don't believe. So why are they still withholding that information? I think it has something to do. I agree with what Tucker Carlson is saying, that they're protecting an institution. They're protected. They've got to be protecting the CIA and the deep state overall. But if you want some further clues, I think, uh, go online and look at the uh, old black and white photo of JFK uh, standing next to a very, very young Nancy Pelosi, who um, was at JFK's inauguration many years ago. In fact, she herself posted the original photo that you can find readily online. And if you keep digging around, you'll find a number of websites that assert that Nancy Pelosi was one of the mistresses of the late John F. Kennedy when she was a very, very young girl. Now, of course, the fact checkers readily argue that, no, that's just not the case. There's no evidence of that, et cetera, et cetera. And what exactly what her tie-in might be, what she might know, what, uh, what information could be in these secret JFK files that might implicate people who are still alive. Remember, people like Nancy Pelosi and, and others go back many, many years. I mean, they go back decades. Some of these people are going back 30, 40 years in our country's history. So whether they were directly involved with the JFK assassination or perhaps in the years afterwards, they somehow or other were involved in covering it up. Because if the CIA was responsible, there would be evidence of that 
and people who got involved in the government in the years afterwards would somehow or other have to agree that they were simply not going to pursue the issue, not beyond a certain point. Now, what's incredible is that they've admitted, you know, after the Warren Commission, later investigators admitted, yes, of course, there was a conspiracy. Uh, just the events as they happened, you have to come to the conclusion there was a conspiracy. There's no way that it could have been accomplished by a single person, not based on the available evidence, not based on the multiple directions that shots were fired that are clearly provable from the, the film footage, the Zapruder film. But anyway, uh, so not, not a big surprise for those of us who have investigated the JFK conspiracy and assassination and so on. That's, it's not a huge surprise. What is a surprise is that they're allowing people like Tucker Carlson, Megyn Kelly, RFK Jr., they're allowing people like this who are much more mainstream figures to come out in public and talk about it. That's what is the, the remarkable thing right now to me. Exactly why they're doing it, why now, I don't really know. I don't really know why it is. It could be to, to further discredit the United States government which is something that communists do when they want to overthrow a country. When they want to overthrow a country, they spend, the reason they rewrite history books and so on is to discredit the whole foundation of a country. To say, hey, the whole thing is just corrupt through and through. We need to change the system, as they would say. And that means bring in socialism and communism. Remember, before we got to this point, we watched... Black Lives Matter and Antifa run around shouting that they wanted to burn this country down. So there must be a reason that the globalist powers are allowing this information to be talked about today. Now, something else I want to mention is Mike Pompeo. I've always liked Mike Pompeo. He is a professing evangelical. I am disappointed to hear that he was responsible for trying to suppress the release of this information, the, the information, the hidden information on JFK. That's a disappointment for me. I got to admit it, but I'm not entirely certain what it means. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I did want to continue and play another clip. Why is this important for us today? Why is it important now more than half a century later? And I think Tucker Carlson makes a great argument about how the same people who were behind all of this continued to remain in power. They handed off the baton to the next generation that would have been made up of people who were willing to go along with them. They had to hand off the baton to people who were like-minded. But let's, I want to play what, Tucker Carlson says, listen to his commentary on this. Here it is. But no matter how you feel about or what you thought about the Kennedy assassination, pause to consider what this means. It means that within the U.S. government, there are forces wholly beyond democratic control. These forces are more powerful than the elected officials that supposedly oversee them. These forces can affect election outcomes. 
They can even hide their complicity in the murder of an American president. In other words, they can do pretty much anything they want. They constitute a government within a government, mocking by their very existence the idea of democracy. As cynical as we have become after 30 years of watching government officials ignore the voters who employ them, we were shocked to learn this. It's not acceptable. Americans have trusted their government less with every passing year since the killing of John F. Kennedy. Maybe this is why. And people have known this for a long time. The people who knew would include every director of the CIA since November of 1963. And that list would include Obama's CIA director, John Brennan, one of the most sinister and dishonest figures in American life. Okay, so John Brennan, remember now, I've talked about this on the program, but it's been a while. Uh, John Brennan is a Jesuit, uh, educated at Ford, Fordham University, and there's no question, not just educated, but somebody who has, if you go read interviews with John Brennan, he talks about his Jesuit education. He's kind of like the, the CIA's version of Dr. Fauci. He is, he is as Jesuitical as Fauci, but a, you know, if it's possible to be more sinister than Fauci, Fauci's more kind of this matter of fact, fake scientist, uh, Jesuit who's deceiving people. Brennan is more of kind of a, you know, like uh, Tucker Carlson said, a, a sinister guy, dark, dark, sinister guy. And, um, of course. They, why, why are none of these people investigated? Why are none of them arrested? Because they are protected, I believe, by what is called the most sophisticated intelligence network in the world, which is the Jesuit order. And th why are they operating this way? Why are they allowed to get away with this? I mean, once you realize that Georgetown University, which is right there in Washington, D.C., which is the Jesuit headquarters in the United States, having this place run by Jesuit priests is like having the KGB. Imagine the KGB had a university right there in Washington, D.C., and they, they were educating and training people who were then going to get all of these government jobs in the federal government in our nation's capital. That's what's been going on for more than 100 years in our country. And the reason the CIA became so corrupt, first off, we've got to look at the formation of the CIA. We've got to remember that it goes back to the Office of Strategic Services during World War II, which was formed toward the end of the war. And while Bill Donovan, who was a high-ranking knight of Malta, uh, he's the guy. He was a Vatican agent. We know that because he appears at the Vatican late in life. Uh, we, we've talked about the book American Democracy and the Vatican where, by Dr. Stephen Mumford. You get that book. He talks about how Donovan appears at the Vatican late in life and receives the Pope's highest honor for a lifetime of service to the papacy. This is the guy who founded the OSS, which eventually became the CIA. And it's no, no coincidence that you've got so many Catholics and so many Jesuits involved with our Central Intelligence Agency. That is not an accident. Uh, that is by design. But 
it basically means that our intelligence network is run by a foreign power, the Vatican. And they have always given themselves unlimited immunity. In other words, they cannot be held accountable because the Pope is infallible and nobody can prosecute the Pope. That's their view. And they had the argument through the Middle Ages that the priest can do no wrong. So it doesn't matter what they do. Uh, there's not to be any accountability for it. Now, once people realize that they are working for this cabal and that this cabal goes back, because, of course, the official Catholic argument is that it goes back 2,000 years. It goes back to the early church. It goes back to St. Peter himself. And uh, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. They use all of these bits and pieces of history and scripture to defend and justify what they're doing. So once people find out that this cabal is behind the CIA and they go to work for them, they're part of the inside club. It's why I think they just have no fear of consequence. I think it's, it's part of the reason why Joe Biden at one point said, when he was running for office and uh, he offended a voter while he was out campaigning. And he looked at the guy and he said, Hey, I don't need your vote. I don't need your vote. Words to that effect. Why? Because he knew, I believe that the election was going to be rigged. The election was going to be determined by other people. It wasn't going to be determined by these people he's out talking to. He's just got to do that because that's part of the theatrics. They have to go through the motions. They have to sell the idea that he was lawfully elected. But there, at this point, I have, I have almost no confidence whatsoever in the election process in our country. Because I think the whole system has now been fully hijacked. I think what happened with uh, the Trump election, the fact that uh, Donald Trump was elected, that he beat Hillary, I think that took the establishment by surprise because their method, based on my research on this, and, and I don't pretend to know everything because there's a lot of stuff hidden away behind the scenes that we can't know. But I think what they did is they had a system with the computers that would flip the election within a few points, as long as the election was close. It was reasonably close. Then the, the computers could flip it a few, few thousand, or I don't know, maybe a few hundred thousand votes, however many. Maybe just a few million. I don't know. Not sure what the limits would be. But I think they had this system in place, and, and it's been admitted to. The, the election rigging software has been admitted to in a court of law, that it exists, that it's out there. So it, that's not a conspiracy theory that it exists. Now, where it might be used, that's another matter. But I believe they've been using it for years and they've been able to flip elections in the way that they wanted them to go for years when they're running close. But with Trump, I think Trump had way more support than they thought he was going to have. And I think 
the overwhelming number of votes that Trump got ahead of Hillary was possibly in the tens of millions, and it was just way beyond anything that their computer systems were prepared for. And while they didn't want it to happen, and I think they did not expect it to happen, Trump was elected in 2016. And the establishment realized that the old system of flipping elections and so on was not sufficient at that point. It, it, it didn't get the job done, so they had to come up with an alternative plan, and they came in with the mail-in ballots. The mail-in voting ballot system was known for being notoriously unreliable. In fact, there's a... Uh, I'm going to play a clip here. This is just briefly some audio from a story done by the Heritage Foundation. This was done about two years ago. Uh, you had had a uh, two years ago when they were first talking about this. There was a quote from Trump who said, quote, rigged 2020 election. Millions of mail in ballots will be printed by foreign countries and others. It will be the scandal of our times. It was well known that mail-in ballots were unreliable. All right, I want to play this uh, just a very, very brief audio from the Heritage Foundation. This was a couple of years ago when they were trying to educate and warn people about mail-in ballots and voter fraud. Listen. There's been a lot of talk recently about mail-in voting as a means to replace in-person voting. Many claim that it's just as safe as voting in person. But did you know that in past elections, hundreds of thousands of ballots sent back by voters have been rejected by election officials for defects? Millions more have been undelivered, misdelivered, or reported missing. According to the U.S. Election Assistance Commission, since 2012, two million ballots were returned as undeliverable. and. More than 28 million ballots were unaccounted for. To say it another way, no one knows what happened to them. Unlike polling place ballots, the absentee ballot system introduces huge blind spots in the chain of custody. Okay, so there's that term, chain of custody. Blind spots in the chain of custody, meaning somebody fills out a ballot let's say uh, Michael McGillicuddy fills out a ballot and he goes and he puts the ballot in the ballot box. Okay. And then somebody else is going to pick up that ballot, but see, they've got all these different ways of doing it where other people can go and gather the mail-in ballots from voters, not necessarily an official of the state. Uh, it's, it's a system that is so loose that the potential for vote, voter fraud is almost unlimited. It's almost unlimited. Uh, there's so many different things that could happen, but that whole chain of custody, where the, the ballot starts and where it, it ends, because it's got to travel from a person's hand to a ballot box, then somebody else is going to pick it up, take it here, take it there, etc. There's a lot that can happen along the way. And of course, millions of ballots have been known to be lost, kind of like 
uh, ballots of a candidate that somebody doesn't want to win, they could just drop off all the ballots from them in a, in a junkyard somewhere and just get rid of them. That's the problem. The chain of custody is not as easily controlled. When people go down to a, a voting place, they've got a building there for voting. You go in, you show your photo ID, you fill out your ballot, and you drop it in a box. The chain of custody is very tight. It goes from your hand into a box and then immediately is counted at the end of that day, ideally, at least if they would do it the way it's been traditionally done in our history. Now they drag it out. And many of us think the reason they're dragging it out is because it just creates more potential for confusion. And where there's confusion, there's greater potential for fraud and dishonesty. So that appears to be what's happened, brothers and sisters. Our election system has been at this point, I think, almost fully and completely hijacked. I can't say that there are no states that are doing honest and, and legal voting. I, I, don't, I don't question the state of Tennessee. When I've gone to vote, I don't sense that there's anything amiss happening in our state. Things seem to kind of work out the way we thought they would work out. But we're warned in the scripture that as time progresses, evildoers and seducers would wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And it appears that this is what's happened here in the United States of America. This progressive movement, this communist movement, this counter-reformation movement to overturn our country, our constitutional republic under God and to overturn it. And to put it under a system of socialism, communism, with perhaps elements of Islamic Sharia, Sharia law. All of that is moving forward. That is all part of the globalist agenda. And there seems to be little doubt that our country has taken a very dark turn. Now, I mentioned the, uh, the Counter-Reformation, of course, because I do believe that has everything to do with globalism. It has everything to do with what is going on in the United States of America. Uh, Washington, D.C., the federal government has been hijacked by Rome. It's just like the title of the book by uh, Justin D. Fulton, Washington in the Lap of Rome. That is the condition of our country right now. All three branches of government are effectively controlled by the Vatican. And our deep state, I think the evidence is overwhelming. I don't think it's possible to understand the deep state unless we understand that the Jesuits are considered the most sophisticated intelligence network in the world, and they control Georgetown University there in Washington, D.C. And so much of what happens through Georgetown University is... is that is the infrastructure for the federal government of the United States. Now, I did want to mention the, the CIA connection, going back to the OSS, with the Nazis. With the Nazis, because at this point, it's clear that the Democratic Party has adopted virtually all of the political doctrines of the Nazis from the war. And, of course, you have Operation Paperclip, where they smuggled Nazi 
former Nazis into the United States and put them in charge of the space and rocket uh, program, and, and they got involved in other areas of our country. Well, it's been well known that the Nazis after the war, many of them went to Argentina, went into Paraguay, went into Brazil, went into that whole territory. Why were they there? Why that part of the world? I believe the answer is the Jesuit reductions of Paraguay, the Jesuit reductions of Argentina, which had been developed centuries earlier, but the Jesuits have had a presence there in that part of the world for hundreds of years. In fact, Mengele, here's a quote. This this is from the New York Times. A headline, German outpost born of racism blends into Paraguay. And so the New York Times at one point reported in this article back in 2013, quote, Joseph Mengele, the Nazi doctor who did experiments on concentration camp inmates, fled to Paraguay after the war and lived under his own name in Hohenau, a German farming colony near the borders with Argentina and Brazil. So this is well known that the Nazis, Joseph Mengele, and so on, and even it is given out that Hitler himself fled to Argentina, to this, this, this what I consider to be Jesuit-controlled or manipulated part of the world. In fact, where is the current Jesuit Pope Francis from? He's from Argentina. Now, this, I think, is this is like a, a missing piece of the puzzle of what's going on today, because that that Latin American Jesuitism, I remember reading that term years ago from a Catholic writer who talked about Latin American Jesuitism. That is what we're dealing with right now. Because this is what's affecting our southern border. This is why we have all these uh, illegal aliens coming across the border. It's because of the influence, I believe, of Latin American Jesuitism on the politics of the United States. And the current Jesuit general, Arturo Sosa, who's from Venezuela, he's from South America, just like Pope Francis. They are both Latin American Jesuits. And if you go read Charles Chinnake's book, uh, 50 Years in the Church of Rome, back in the 1800s, he warned that part of the uh, scheme of the Catholic bishops was to Latinize the southern part of the United States, southwestern part, through mass immigration. So that the same part of the world that harbored the Nazis, the same part of the world that probably gave a, a haven to Adolf Hitler himself. You realize it's given out. It's considered a matter of fact in certain parts of the world that Hitler went to Argentina after the war. In fact, uh, there's a number of websites on this. I'm going to read from one that is not uh, a, a news site, but it is well laid out. It's, uh, it's just a time travel Site And it has an article there on Hitler in Bariloche, Argentina. And here's what uh, the guy says, the time traveler. 
Michael Turtle, that's his name, the guy who writes the, uh, the articles for it. Anyway, he says, quote, there is a rumor oft repeated that Adolf Hitler did not die in that bunker in Berlin. As the story goes, he and Eva Braun fled to an idyllic Arge- Argentinian town after the Second World War and died there of old age. They spent their final years on a farmstead, watching the cows graze, perhaps taking occasional strolls through the forests and remembering the good times back in Germany when Adolf was Führer. The rumor has been written about in books as fact, published with a legitimacy most people feel is undeserved. In fact, it is actually quite ludicrous, and there are many historians who have proven it to be complete nonsense. Okay, Uh, so that is his take on this. But he's right in terms of uh, the, the fact that there are books, there's a whole set of literature out there in that part of the world that openly asserts that Hitler survived the war, went to Argentina, lived out his life, and and died of old age. And uh, in fact, if you go and just watch uh, the documentary footage of how they discovered Hitler's so-called body and his dental records, etc., there is so much potential for fraud and deception with how Hitler supposedly died and how they supposedly discovered his remains, it's really very unnerving to think that the Allied powers may well have been involved in a massive deception. A massive deception. But of course, if the CIA, or, or the OSS rather, was smuggling Nazi war criminals out of Europe, Obviously, they were compromised at some level. If if the CIA would eventually be behind the assassination of John F. Kennedy, they had to be corrupt. Obviously, we're corrupt. I mean, it's given out that while Bill Donovan and the OSS assassinated George Patton at the end of the war. Or as the war was ending. So that corruption was there. And of course, we believe that corruption has its roots, its origins in Rome and the deceptions of Rome and the fact that Rome engages in this Hegelian manipulation where they will often play both sides of a conflict so that whoever wins that conflict, they have their people in a position of power to take control or to manipulate. Uh, That is the nature of Romanism and has been for centuries. That's also the nature of Jesuitism and has been for more than 400 years. In fact, the Jesuits uh, have been in Argentina since shortly after they were commissioned. They were commissioned by the Pope in 1540. They were in uh, South America and Argentina since 1549. And if you go read articles on this, they are said, they admit that they have been very influential in that part of the world from 1549 all the way into modern times. And now it appears that, you know, with with Pope Francis being from that part of the world, the Jesuit general Sosa being from that part of the world, and that part of the world, literally, as as you know, when I when I interviewed uh, Sean Wilcock, he, he confirmed what I'd been reading elsewhere, 
that the immigrants that are coming across the Mexican border into the United States are not just coming here. They are being told by their priests, go to America. And that's one of the things that Sean Wilcock reveals in my interview with him, that they're being told, go to America. Yes, what's happening to our country right now, brothers and sisters, is an invasion. An invasion of our country by the same powers that supported Nazism during the war. But it's all being carried out in a very, very deceptive manner with layers of deception, lies, sophistry, and propaganda. It is a system of evil that is perhaps unparalleled in all the pages of history. We, we are living in a, a truly remarkable time. And as I've said before, the fulfillment of the Apostle Paul's warning in the last days, perilous times shall come. And I believe we are in perilous times. And while that's the case, we still have faith in God. We still have confidence that God always leads us to triumph in Christ and that all things work together for good to those that love God. We're the called according to his purpose. Praise the Lord. Because when you're on board the Titanic and the ship is going down, the only thing you can do is lift your eyes to heaven and look upward. And right now, our, our country is like a ship that is going down. And how is it possible to rescue this sinking ship? The Lord knows. Part of me thinks it is possible. It's certainly possible. All things are possible with God. If the Lord wills, he can certainly raise up champions to turn this thing around. That is entirely possible. Uh, but these forces, these dark and evil forces that are at work, they are not unbeatable. They have been beaten before in history over and over and over again. It's very important that we recognize that. They have their victories in history, but they have many, many losses. And we have to remember that, that the principles of freedom, the great principles of freedom that we have today, were all established by our God-fearing, Bible-believing Christian ancestors who resisted these powers of darkness. They go all the way back to the Inquisition. Consider the Thirty Years' War, the original Thirty Years' War. That was a war that ultimately, it took 30 years, roughly, but ultimately Protestantism prevailed against the powers of Rome and the papacy. It happened then, it happened through World War I and World War II, what is called the Second Thirty Years' War. Now, the powers of Nazism did not win. The Nazis... Uh, Supported by Rome, supported by the Vatican and the Jesuit order, they did not prevail. Ultimately, they were put down. But remember, when Hitler rose up, when the Nazis rose up, they were a spectacle. And they seemed very, very powerful. And some people thought they were unbeatable. That was not the case. God had other plans. So what can we as ordinary people do. Uh, me, I look to the words of 
one of the prayers of King David from Psalm chapter 18 and verse 17. Well, I'll go back to verse 16. He says, he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. The Lord delivered him because his enemies were too strong for him. And David, let's remember, was a mighty warrior. But he had enemies that were too powerful for him alone. He had to rely upon the Lord. And I believe we are in exactly that position, brothers and sisters. The scripture says that we should only fear the Lord and he will deliver us from the hands of all our enemies. Praise God. All right, brethren, that is going to do it for us today. That is our show. We will stop it there, but we will be back next time as the Lord leads us. Until then, God bless you guys. I'm Chris Pinto, and you've been listening to Noise of Thunder Radio.